You're listening to the only place on the internet that offers the perfect blend of high-quality premium cigars and cryptocurrency news and commentary. Welcome to Cigars and Crypto. Now here's your host, Invest Noir. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Investor Wah. Thank you so much for joining Cigars and Crypto. I am speaking with Drew Griffin, the man, the myth, the legend. Drew Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, Thanks for having me on, man. <laughs> no problem, man. Thanks so much for uh, taking my invite. I greatly appreciate it. Um, Anytime. I found you on Twitter based on a uh, comment that you made about basic attention token. Oh, yeah. I, I liked... I am a person who I don't believe in diametric opposites. I believe that there's a middle and I also believe that I can be wrong. And so I like to listen to people who think differently than I do. That way I get a chance to learn. So that's kind of where this came from. But I want to start off with some basic questions. Drew, how did you get into crypto? Man, so it was probably about uh, going on three years now. And, you know, I, I've been investing in the stock market, you know, bond market for probably a decade now. And what really drew me into crypto is I had a buddy just kept nudging me to buy Bitcoin. And, you know, at first I thought it was just, you know, magic internet money and then they go. <laughs> you know, it kind of, everyone I talk to about crypto, it's really the same, you know, same route. When you first hear about it, you're just like, well, you know, it sounds like a bunch of nonsense. So you kind of push it off and you kind of just keep seeing it, <clears throat> seeing it and, uh, Really what, what changed me is when I read the white paper. And so I read the Bitcoin white paper and, you know, I've always been someone that not, I don't want to have no government, but I want to have, you know, less government. Cause I, I think our, a lot of our tax dollars are wasted on stuff. So, you know, it was really an easy fit reading Bitcoin and seeing something that's, you know, decentralized sound money that can't be inflated. So that's really what, you know, sparked me into it. And then uh, a little bit after I get into Bitcoin, you know, we have the ICO craze and just, you know, the whole market gets overvaluated. And then that's when I really started just, you know, diving into cryptos because I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist. You know, I think there's a lot of valuable technology in the cryptos out there. And so, you know, I just dove down that rabbit hole and I've been there ever since. That's cool, man. That's kind of how I got into the space. I, uh, I actually got in because I was looking for an investment opportunity at the time. I didn't know what I was looking for was Bitcoin. I was living in San Diego and there was a guy who lived in an apartment on the third floor across from me. Of course, this guy was like a heavy pothead. And so I kind of really ignored him. He was really nice to me, but I kind of really ignored him, you know. But then like over the period of like two weeks, I watched this guy put a solar panel out on his patio and connected to six car batteries and had these fans and had this like solar powered Bitcoin mining rig. At the time, um, it was an Ant Miner S1. It tells you how when I got into it in 2014. As a techie, I was just amazed that this guy had the knowledge and the, the attention span <laughs> to do that. So I walked across one day and sat down, had a chat with him and said, bro, you know, what is this? And what are you doing? He was like, yeah, man, you know, mining Bitcoin. And I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> so he started talking to me about it. And as I'm listening to him in my mind, I'm like, you know what? 
I can mine Bitcoin too. I didn't think it was going to be worth much at the time, which is why I kind of kick myself regularly. I'm not one of those guys who accumulated Bitcoin because I wanted to be rich. I just thought it was cool that I could let this machine run in my house and I could do stuff. The majority of my Bitcoin I spent actually on uh, Expedia, Cheap Air, and uh, what's the other site I was buying furniture from? I can't remember offhand. Of course, it'll hit me. They did Tezos. So was this was this Bitcoin you were mining that you were yeah. spending? Okay. Yeah. And it was Bitcoin that I was mining. And this company, there's an online company that sells merchandise. They're like one of the first. And you could buy with Bitcoin. So I was doing stuff like buying sheets and pillows and socks and shoes, and furniture. I bought a couch. Um, I bought multiple flights from San Diego um, back to the East Coast at the time because I didn't really think it was going to be much. You know, no one was really using it except for these sites these few sites where you can go and spend it. And so I thought, hey, you know, this is kind of cool. So here we are, 10 Bitcoin and six years later. And no, not six, five years later. And I'm kicking myself in the nuts because I had mined 10 Bitcoin. And I really wish, I really wish I'd have held them, man. Hey, really, hindsight's everything, right? Yeah, man, it is, bro. It is. But you know what? My opinion about it hasn't changed. I don't accumulate Bitcoin for wealth. I accumulate Bitcoin to spend it. I believe it to be people's currency. I'm not trying to usurp authority or power from anyone like Senator Sherman said, you know, Bitcoin is used to, you know, usurp American power and control. I'm not, that's not why I use it. If I want to transact with you. I want to transact with you in the same fungibility that I can with money. <clears throat> and so that's kind of like my backstory on Bitcoin. So uh, it's kind of interesting how people come into the space because everyone has their own way that they get in. But ultimately, once they're in, they fall deep into the rabbit hole. And most of them have no desire to climb out. That, that's not why, because I think once you realize, you know, the value behind Bitcoin, it's just it opens your eyes to something totally different. And you're totally right. Yet I, you know, Bitcoin's capture rate is probably like ninety nine point nine percent. Only a few people probably get out. And most of that's probably because they lost money from just, you know, a bad investment or, you know, a bad timing in the market. Right. So true. Even today, man, I, I don't, right now, the only reason I am like trading is because I promised my wife that I was going to take her to Fiji. <laughs> I'm, I'm, bro, I shit you not. I promised her I was going to take her to Fiji. We travel a lot. I leave the country two or three times a year, but I promised her I was going to take her to Fiji. And so my goal right now is to trade enough to be able to go on Expedia and buy one of the packages with the flight and the hotel. And then the rest of the money will just be fiat that I spend while I'm there. Hey, that's motivation, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Keep, you know, you keep can't, it going sight. Exactly. You can't take it with you, man. So you might as well enjoy it while you can. Well, what do you trade mostly? You just trade Bitcoin or you dip um, into the alts? Actually, I'm, I am a shit coin trader. <laughs> I'm a shit coin trader and I trade shit coins to accumulate Bitcoin. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Have no, to yeah, do it. Yeah, man. You know, I I I, I trade shit coins to accumulate Bitcoin. But with that said, full disclosure, I am also a devout nano hodler. So I also hold nano. Okay. Um, I got into nano maybe a year ago because of what they were doing in Venezuela. And if that is not like the perfect use case for a sovereign 
non-governmental currency. I can't think of one. Oh, that's right, man. I, I really feel bad for people in Venezuela, what their government's done to their currency. Yes, man. It is I mean, ridiculous. Uh, and then just, you know, blocking all the aid and countries trying to, you know, donate medical supplies and food and just kind of blocking that from entering the country. That was a shame. It's crazy, right? Now, imagine a borderless currency that you can leave Venezuela and go into Colombia to buy food, medical supplies, clothes. I'm not talking about TV. Notice I didn't say anything about TVs or cars or Lambos or any other bullshit. But just necessities to survive. You know, Nano and Dash are really making inroads in Venezuela. Bitcoin obviously is the granddaddy of them all, is making real inroads in Venezuela. But what I've gathered from my readings and some folks that um, I've traveled with, I understand that Bitcoin is accumulated, but Nano and Dash are spent. And I think that's because of the block times for Bitcoin transactions. You know, a lot of uh, online businesses or, or like local businesses, mom and pop shops, <clears throat> they want that three, those three verifications before yeah. they accept it. Nano and Dash was specifically Nano. It was like almost instantaneous transaction time. And you can buy bread, buy butter, buy chickens, livestock, you know, with, with cryptocurrency. And I thought that was like, like the perfect use case. So that's why I am a Nano, a nano holder, hodler. So that's kind of like full disclosure. Yeah, I think it's going to be a nice little battle, you know, who wins out the currencies of crypto because there's a lot out there. I think Bitcoin, you know, you want to use it as a store of value. Right. And like stuff like you're talking about, Nano, you know, that's more of a currency that you can process transactions with quickly. So you're not, as a store owner, you're not pissing off the customer by making them hold up for 30 minutes, like you said, to validate a transaction. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think that's, that's kind of my thing with um, maximalists. They kind of look at me like, how could you be? You know, how could you hodl anything other than Bitcoin? I think there's room and there's space for multiple currencies. There's yeah. room space for multiple tokens because not every token is a currency and not every currency is a token. Oh, I, I agree with you. I think with all the maximalists, to me, because I think there's a difference between money and currency. I think those are two separate things. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think Bitcoin's money. I think it's good, sound money. It can't be inflated by anybody. And I think every other crypto is a currency. You know, much like, much like the euro, U.S. dollar, whatever that may be. Preach. So, like I said before, I, I would prefer to store Bitcoin. And if I got to make a transaction, I'd prefer, you know, a different crypto, maybe Litecoin, uh, Stellar. I mean, yes. I can even see people using Ripple, you know, if, if you want to go that route with Ripple. But that's my philosophy on crypto. So, I, I understand the maximalist. But to say everything else is worthless you know, I can't agree with that because I think there's yeah. a lot of coins out there that have valuable technology. Now, most of them may be worthless, but yeah, I mean, we are like 2,100 coins on coin market cap, so they can't right. all be winners. And I'm hodling about 50 of those worthless coins <laughs> that are garbage right now. <laughs> oh, man, let me give you my Rec story. Oh, wait a minute. First off, shout out to Rec Podcast. I listen to them regularly. I love those guys. If you want some epic Rec failed stories. You've got to listen to Wreck Podcast. My Wreck story um, for the day, well, for lifetime, bro. <clears throat> so I, I had accumulated a nice amount of Bitcoin and Ethereum. I was buying Ethereum at like 30 bucks. Okay. And so I'm buying, I'm buying, I'm buying, you know, and everything's all good. And then 
the ICO phase kicks in. And so I'm like, yo, I can 5X, 10X, you know, going in on some of these ICOs and, you know, I'll set up my little VPN and, you know, set up, you know, and, you know, all this other crap. Look, I think I did the calculation, right, at the top, based on the number at the top, which I think at the time was like 19,000, 19, 19 one, something like that. I lost almost $200,000. Damn. Buying in on ICOs. So you're spending your Ethereum on it? I was spending ETH and Bitcoin. Oh, man. Yeah. Expecting to go 5X, 10X. And I have no one to blame but myself. Now, at, at some point, you probably were 5X, 10X up. You know what? I was at some point. On your ICOs, yeah. Oh, man, I I feel you. I've I've gotten burned on some coins too, man. (laughs) (laughs) But, hey, you learn from it. It's it's an expensive learning moment. Yeah, yeah, it really is, man. I learned a valuable (laughs) lesson. But you know what? I think the best lesson that I learned is those who want to get rich quick are usually the ones that are going to make me wealthy. I follow some really good, really smart guys and gals on Twitter. Um, I've learned some valuable lessons. Like right now, my, my, my risk threshold is 4%. If my, if my entry point goes below 3%, yeah. I sell. I don't, I don't wait for something new to happen. I don't wait for, a black swan event that would double or triple my, my investment. I don't. My you get, prof- close out that position, huh? Right. I close that position. Yep. I close my profit positions between three to seven percent. Well, how's that strategy been working for you? I'm up. Oh, I'm not matters, up a lot. I'm not up a lot. <laughs> because, you know, like I said, I'm fearful of losing money. But one of the other things that I learned from the ICO craze is do your own fucking research <laughs> and learn how to fucking trade and read chart. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, that's the truth, man. I mean, yeah. you can't, you nailed on the head with that one. Yeah. Anyone can give you fundamentals that sound good to you that hit your pressure points and make you say, I'm going to hold this forever. Okay. But, and it's tough. Okay. Because when something goes up two X, three X, four, you know, plus, in your mind, you just, you can't wrap your head around the fact that it may go back down. You just, I mean, you start seeing that green and your money just duplicate, duplicate, duplicate. And you're just, you know, it's hard to get out of that position. Yeah. And then that, that FOMO kicks in. Okay. It went up five X. <laughs> what if it goes up 20 X and I, you know what I'm saying? So it's, but I, I think that stuff you got to learn some stuff I had to learn, you know, cause I had a lot of positions I could have got out 10 X up then it went back down you know, five X and I'm sitting here like, crap, I better sell it. Some I let go back to where I started losing money when I should just got out, you know, when I was ahead, but yeah. it's tough. You know, you got to learn those lessons early on. Yeah. Yeah. I've learned some valuable lessons on this road, man, but you know what? I wouldn't change it for anything. Oh, I wouldn't. I, I am happy with my journey here. This, these wrecked, this wrecked story that I just gave you is the reason why I am now starting to dabble in stock market. I want to get into options primarily because a, I know how to do my own research and B I understand charts and historical, how 
historical values can shape where you believe and where your your stock or bond may go. So I'm I'm, I'm pretty confident over the next couple of years that you know that'll be where I go. <clears throat> so I've already started down that path. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've probably invested in the stock market for, like I said, going on 10 years now. And I, you know, I, I've traded some options before. A great way to make some money. Uh, but most of my trades are really long-term based mm-hmm. at the end of the day. You know, in my retirement account, I, I really like investing in bonds and bond ETFs. I really like getting paid a dividend every single month, you know, yeah. especially, especially the REITs. Yeah. Getting that getting that check every single month towards my uh, retirement and just reinvesting it, I, it's hard for me to pass that up. And I, there's a lot of really good investors in the stock market that kind of find that philosophy of just finding dividend stocks. But one, uh, the market it's really I've really been into for the past three years, and it's made me a significant amount of money is the cannabis market because those stocks have just been going through the roof. You know, every really in the in, in the United States, every time a state legalizes medical marijuana. Uh, my stocks basically double in value. I mean, they wow. go up about a hundred percent every single time. So take, taking some hits lately because of the trade tariffs going on between the U S and China. Right. Right. Still up a bunch as I started getting in them. I might, you know, I might have to get into that, man. I, yeah. I, I have uh, really tried to stay away from that. Yeah. Um, as an IT professional, I, I kind of try to really segregate myself from that kind of thing. Because yeah, you, it was watched. So yeah, you. I mean, to me, like you know, you got to separate yourself from the market in the industry because I get what people say. You know, it, it can kind of look immoral or you know not right yeah. to invest in these companies, but these are legal companies inside the United States, inside Canada. In my perspective, I'm just trying to make money off the investment. I mean, that's that's the reason I do it. If it was the biomedical industry and I felt the same way about that market, I would, you know, buy those stocks. So it's not so much uh, what the industry is doing as much as it is, you know, I just want to make money off of it. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause of the events and the laws taking place in this country. Yeah. That sounds good, man. I got four kids, so I need all the money I can get. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, man. So look, let me ask you a question. I want to learn about, hold on, fire truck. Sorry. Uh-oh. <laughs> I want to learn um, more about your feelings about basic attention token. Yeah, so with that, and I, I think it's very important for me to kind of separate my mindset on this, is I'm not discounting Brave at all. You know, I, I think Brave is actually a wonderful thing, especially the fact that it's going to allow people privacy on the internet. But I think where people get confused is they think brave and bat are the same thing. And I think, you know, that's, you got to separate those two out because brave's a company. Agreed. Bat is a token that's involved in, it's involved in this company, but brave could be successful and bat could come out worthless. Okay. But the opposite, if brave isn't successful, bat's guaranteed to be worthless. So I kind of want to separate those things because uh, especially on Twitter, when I talk about this, people come at me like, how could you discount Brave? And I'm sitting there saying, I'm not discounting Brave. I'm just saying BAT as a long-term investment, I think you're better off putting your money in other places. I think, you know, if you believe in the project and you want to donate money to it, that's one thing. But to receive, to receive a return on your investment, you know, I think there's a lot of better coins you could be putting your money in other than BAT. Okay. Okay. Um, 
but but kind of my philosophy on it is, you know, I, I don't like investing in stuff that people can get for free. And one of the arguments to that is people say, well, you got to watch ads that actually get paid out in bat. Okay. Well, if you look at the ads, most are two seconds, three seconds. And so you're not really putting in much work or energy into the system. So, you know, although there's a little bit of value in your time, it's just not very much. So there's not any money going in from one standpoint. And then as investor, you're putting in, you know, your money to receive a token that other people can just get for pretty much doing nothing. And so, you know, that, that's kind of my thought process on that. And uh, there's some other points that I, I'm really, you know, don't like about the bat token. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, trying to see how this concept's going to work of advertisers because they're really the advertisers paying for the ads are paying the people to receive bat. And so as an advertiser, I don't know how much my incentive is to use this platform. If most of my money, you know, isn't going to people engagement, but it's just going to pay for the token so people can have. And then I see what you mean. And then what happens as an advertiser? Okay. If the price of bat, you know, significantly decrease. Let's say it drops 20% after I paid for that ad. Well, you know, I just lost 20% of my, you know, advertisement value just because of a market cycle. So, you know, that's just another thing that I kind of stay away from when it comes to the bat token. Okay. I get you. Now I, I went out earlier today being the extreme nerd that I am and Coinbase offers $10 in bat tokens for learning yeah. about bat. Um, and I took all the little, the four little videos that they showed. And what I understand is, is that Brave is charging a set amount for the advertisement. Okay. And then they are paying us pennies. <laughs> to watch the advertisement. And then if we like the advertisement, we can tip the content producer who created the advertisement, or we can go to the website and make a purchase. So I think that as a token is a vehicle to incentivize people to watch the ads. So when that goes back to the advertiser, they have actual statistical quantifiable metrics to shows this is how many people watched your ad. We paid them X amount. Do you want to advertise with us again? But with that said, I see your point. You know, like I said before, I don't think the system doesn't work. I just think that as an investment, I don't want to give my, my dollars or something other people get for free. But the, the big question I have with that is, okay, so is an advertiser and someone watching that ad, you know, the only incentive to me to watch this ad is I'm going to get paid for it. Right. And I, I think that's kind of a bad place as an incentive. I, I think as an advertiser, I want the number one incentive to be what's being played on my ad. I want to, I want to engage viewers because they're interested in what's playing on the ad, not because they could receive a few cents. You know what I'm saying? So I I think a lot of it's a problem with the, uh, 
you know, the incentive towards the advertisers is, are they really interested in your ad or are they just interested in getting paid? Agree. And, and that I understand. I understand that part. But I look at it this way. I, okay, let me, let me, let me separate these two things. Okay. The investment piece from the advertiser piece. As an investment, I understand your point about the bat token and its value proposition. I get that part. But as an advertiser, I would much rather be on a platform that has people opt in to receiving ads as opposed to not being on that platform and people using Chrome extensions to block ads and then them never seeing my ad. And I have no idea truly how many impressions that I'm getting based on the number of ads and, and people who are viewing them on the websites. You, you see what I mean? At least no, yeah, I get what you're saying on that. advertiser knows exactly how many people have viewed this ad, how many times they viewed it, how many people have clicked on it, and they know that they're incentivized to do it. I think, uh, you know, one argument against that is, I think because Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are so good at collecting data that <clears throat> they know based off your data what you're going to be interested in. So they can really offer that to the advertiser uh, that, you know, people who have these interests usually like, you know, whatever, you know, you're promoting. So that's one benefit advertisers have on those platforms is the fact that they've collected so much data. If I go to run a Facebook ad, I can narrow down my target market. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one thing I think brave is going to struggle with. Okay. How do you offer that to the people paying you money to run your company when they could go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, these platforms that have, you know, so much success running ads and you can narrow down your audience to so many different data points. And so that, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see if brave can compete with that. Yeah. And I, I, I see your point with that and I agree with you there. It's definitely going to be difficult. But one of the reasons why I think Brave is going to be able to do it is because of how quickly they have moved into, and, and I'm speaking specifically about Brave and not Bat. Yeah. How yeah. quickly they have moved into a position where they are now um, like really competing with a Chrome or a Firefox or IE. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and a Safari. They are like a value, they are a Real alternative alternative to those, let me take that back because I'm going to edit that out. They are a real alternative to the big four in terms of browsers. I think of Brave before I think of Opera or Dolphin or any of these other open source free browsers that you can use to browse the internet. You, you, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and I get what you're saying. ton of people on the Play Store for Google and the uh, the Apple App Store, whatever that is, that pe- and they download it and people use it. But I hate the fact that I learned something new and that I'm able to see your side of this argument because it really sucks because now I'm like, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm on the fence, bro. I don't like being on the fence, the fence man. The well, it's, it's like I said, Brave's a good thing. I'm all for protecting yeah. my data, but... Right. The bat token as an investment, I'd rather buy Bitcoin or Ethereum, you know, or, you know, there's a lot, there's a handful of the cryptos. I'd rather put my money, you know, for the long term. Agreed. 
Agreed. And, and I think that's where a lot of people struggle. You know, they get, and crypto is so weird because people get so emotionally attached to the currencies. And I've just, yes, man. What, one thing I think I can, you know, I'm proud of the fact that I can remove my emotion from investing in because I look at it as, you know, I want to, I want to make money from it. And that sounds greedy to a lot of people, but when I put my hard and hard earned money into it, I expect a return on my investment. Okay? Damn right. Stop There's other ways to support, you know, crypto. Right. I mean, you have a crypto podcast. I do a crypto podcast. We're, you know, we're promoting adoption through it. So this idea that buying into a, an investment just because you're backing it, I view that as a donation. If you don't think you're going to get money from it, to me, it's a donation. Nothing wrong with donations, but don't confuse it with being an investment like so many crypto investors do. And, and you know, it's just how investing goes with some people. Right. Right. That's true, my friend. Very but, true. Time will tell, you know, I could be wrong yeah. a year later. You know, everyone may be uh, coming back at me. You idiot. What are you talking about? You dumbass. Nah, 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 nah. You know what? I think one thing that we can both agree on about the crypto market, no one is a crystal ball. No one is an Oracle. This shit changes so much. Oh, yeah. Think about where we were in 2017 where everyone thought fucking Verge was going to be like, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like the next Bitcoin, bro. Hey, hey I'll tell you what, man. I'll tell you what. I, I, I used to own XBG. Yeah. Okay. The moment I heard who that partnership was, I sold it. And I, I made good money. I, I think I went 8X. They said partnership, partnership, partnership. And then I saw them come out with that site that's going to accept, you know, payments. And I said, that's not a partnership. They're just accepting payments. And I sold right. it. Yeah. But, smart man. man. It was, it was, yeah. I got lucky on that one. Smart man. Very yeah. <laughs> that that was a good ride. I, <laughs> it's been downhill for him ever since. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I, I think I was looking at it the other day, bro. It was like eight tenths of a penny. <laughs> you could buy one. I, I remember when I read their white paper. I said, "Man, this thing is just this is the this is the crypto right here." Because they were talking about sending payments through Twitter and social media, and I said, "Yeah, this yeah. is awesome." But yeah, another lesson: white papers don't mean anything. Income. Anybody can type oh, something yes. up. Yeah. Say it one more time, brother. So many people don't get that, man. And, and I think reading the white papers are important. Don't get me wrong. But you have to you know, be able to smell the, the bullshit a little bit in them because, like I said, anybody can type anything on that page. Just you know, making it really happen is the difficult part. Agreed. I think once you've read enough white papers, you're able to flesh out the bullshit from the real yeah. shit. Yeah, you that know? is true. <clears throat> You'll be able to do that. Like um, I, the last white paper I read, um, I'm in grad school now, so I really haven't had time to read anything other than like textbooks. But the last white paper I read was for XYO Network. And I found that to be interesting. It is a token that is based on proof of location. And they're marketing this to Maersk, the shipping magnet yeah. and shipping companies. UPS, FedEx, DHL. And I thought that was interesting, an interesting use of it. And then you see Foam come out. Foam's white paper is almost identical to XYO Network. And there are two others that I read that are almost identical to XYO Network. I said, man, you know what? They are really laying this shit on thick right now, bro. There's so much bullshit in the market right now, man. <laughs> I, I'm, look, man, <clears throat> I'm telling you, man. One of the best books I ever read was uh, An Altcoin Trader's 
Handbook. I think that's the name of the book by uh, Coin Trader Nick. That book changed my life because the things in that book are so valid and, and, and relevant to trading in the space that I, I started doing simple things like keeping a trading diary, like understanding value, the difference between what people present as value and what is real value and tips and techniques to trading and investing and the difference between trading and investing. You touched on something earlier that really resonated with me. You said you eliminate emotion from this. And that book talks about that almost a half a half a chapter about eliminating emotion and putting your emotion aside and setting a, a, tangible stops for trades and sticking to your trading plan so that you're profitable or successful most of the time. Even if it's only 51% of the time, if you trade, if you're profitable 51% of the time, you're up. So I'm I'm shilling his book because his book is awesome. I'm shilling his book. So of course I'll put the link on the website for that, but uh, put put your referral link on there. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I wish he had a reference, dude. I will put that on there, man. It will be lit. Hey, will but, be uh, lit. But, but you're 100% right, man. I mean, and just you got to separate the emotion. But uh, what was it called? It's called read the it. Altcoin Trader's Handbook. Because I, I need to find me another book to read. Yeah, look, man. Altcoin Trader's when Handbook. I got the book. I couldn't put it down. The book is so good that I bought two books. One book I had marked up with highlighter and written notes in the margin. And then I have another book that I just read over and over and over again. That's how good the book is. If you were looking for a step-by-step, how to get into cryptocurrency, how to trade, how not to get wrecked, that's the book that you need. You know, got to get it. I'll definitely check it out because I I didn't look for another crypto book. And uh, have you you ever read uh, Mastering Bitcoin by Andreas Antonopoulos? Of course. That's a good one. Of course. Yeah, man. He he's he is just so profound, man, that I I had to read that book maybe three or four times to just understand some of the concepts. Because even though I'm an IT professional, I don't know cryptography. I have no idea what that is. And so I was lost in most of the book the first two times I read it. And then as I started moving along in this kind of crypto journey and understanding things more, I would read the book and it, things would make sense to me. You know, you know, what's crazy though. What's that? He follows me, bro. Oh, that's a good follow. man. <laughs> he, he likes your cigars. Yeah, man. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to post guess who follows me, you know, but what I saw, <laughs> what I saw that he followed me, I was like, dude, maybe that's what, that's one to be proud of right there, man. That's, yeah. a, that's a big, that's the name in crypto. <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. He, he's got some good stuff out there. It's good books. I think, I, I think I read one book of his, it was just his speeches at conferences. I think I learned more from that book than I did a whole year in crypto. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, he's that good, man. Yeah. He has a firm understanding of the content and more importantly, he's able to break it down to a layman. The examples that he gives are so simple and basic that anyone can understand the concepts. 
and that's the key to crypto because some stuff just gets so complicated. I think that pushes a lot of new people out. It's just, they can't understand it Yeah, because some people just make it overly complicated. They try to explain, you know, unspent transactions to someone who just bought Bitcoin. Like they're not going to understand that yet. They're going to take some time. (laughs) That is so true. (laughs) That is so true. Or UTXOs. You're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They they just don't get it yet. But uh, yeah, man, definitely. Hey, did you hear about the story about Starbucks, Nordstrom's, and Whole Foods accepting Bitcoin now? Yeah, I saw that. It's is it through a, uh, another company though? Yeah, it's like, through another company. They okay. set up these uh, point of sale transaction devices that allow them to accept Bitcoin. Yeah, I saw that. It's a uh, there's a ton of companies doing that, and it's going to be interesting to see which one really you know takes the cake on it. <clears throat> Because I know merchants, because a lot of people think PayPal could jump on this. Merchants hate PayPal. Merchants hate credit card companies. And I, I've done a lot of research on that and put some content out there on that because they charge so much in fees. Yes. I think every time someone swipes their card, it's 3 to 5%. What it is, is it's 2.75% plus $0.30 cents per transaction. And that's, that's what the Visa MasterCard, I think Amex is even more. It may be even more. But that's okay. crazy. Yeah, it's, so now merchants imagine, merchants want to start accepting cryptos. Imagine if you run a business that has extremely low margins. Oh, you're screwed. And you make your money from volume. Yep. You got to run a cash only business. And that's why a lot of those uh, gas stations they ever charge you like a fifty cent fee for using the car. That's why. Exactly. For that very reason. Yeah, I used to. I used to be a manager of a, a retail store, and we do you know sometimes thirty thousand dollar deals. And people would want to pay with an Amex. And I used to have to just beg them, don't please use any other car. You know, pay me cash. I'll give you. We used to give them a discount. We'll cut 2% off if you pay with a Visa. Just because that Amex was going to charge us, I think, like 5% of the total transactions. Like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, man. I'll give you 3% and just pay cash, you know. Adoption is coming, my friend. Oh, it's coming. It's, it's, it's on the way. Yeah, it's coming. And I'm trying to accumulate as much Bitcoin as I can now. Because I promised my wife Fiji, and I mean that shit, bro. <laughs> she gonna I'm, hold you accountable, that? I'm, no, I'm holding me accountable. <laughs> you understand? I'm holding me accountable to that. That 20 hour flight is coming, bro. I don't know when, but it is coming. I promise. You. Uh, I, I can't let my wife listen to this podcast. <laughs> so, where's our trip to Fiji? <laughs> you know what, man? I tell you one thing. I got a good one. Yeah. I got to go, man. Yeah. I, I'm fortunate that my wife loves to travel as much as I do. We get the same thrill from collecting passport stamps. And like I said earlier, man, you can't take it with you, bro. Life is like, someone very important to me before they passed away told me life is in life is a series of decisions and experiences. Amen, man. Decisions and experiences. You make good decisions, you get good experiences. You can't take it with you, bro. Got to die empty. Don't leave nothing in you. Yeah, man. Mm. I'm trying to die $5 million. (laughs) (laughs) $5 million in debt, fam. uh, Before I run out of here, what's your thoughts on Bitcoin? Short-term, long-term, what are you thinking? Um... 
Honestly, I would like to see us return to um, all-time high from uh, December 2017, uh, January 2018. Um, if we just get back to 10,000 this year, I think we will. I think that's easy, especially because I was just checking the charts. Matter of fact, I was looking at uh, CoinStats just a minute ago, and, bro, we were at, like, fucking 7700 bucks last time I checked. So it's, it's, nothing it's climbing fast. fast yeah. yeah, it's climbing fast. My only fear is that FOMO is going to set in and the whales are going to dump. And that will kind of hinder adoption. But I like to see us at maybe twelve to fifteen thousand by December. Um I think alts starting in October will start doing that dance they were doing in twenty seventeen. So you think just a couple months, it's going to be back near an all-time highs? Oh, bro, look, I think in a couple months, we'll see alts at two, three, four times where they are right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of what, – what's bothering me right now, and I, so I think short-term price is going to pump big. Like, and I think all that's consensus. You know, you look every single year, consensus has been going on. Price skyrockets around this time because so many new people are getting in and just, you know, FOMO hits everybody. So I think the next couple of weeks, we're going to see some impressive gains. But I'm still curious about two things. Okay, 7,000 Bitcoin were stolen from Binance. What, that's, that's, going to, that's going to hit the market sometime. Okay, and then Tether, I, I think we kind of underpinned the significance of Tether not being liquid. I, I mean, how is it that you know, a quarter of their funds are missing? Agreed. What is that, 850 million bucks? Yeah, they lost $850 million. So I think those two things are going to bring us back down, you know, probably the next month or so. So what I'm probably going to do, I'm probably going to put in some new stop losses, you know, probably once this weekend kind of comes to an end, because I I think the price is going to skyrocket. But I I think those two things are going to bring us back down. But, you know, end of the year, you know, maybe what you were saying, you know, twelve, fifteen thousand. I, I could see it going back up to that because I think once it, once the bull market hits, it's just going to be, you know, full on from there. Right, right. I, I think about this a lot. Where I think we'll be, I think we're going to go through a serious accumulation phase. We're going to go through um, this period of up and down where we have higher lows up and down, up and down for some time because we're going to start getting institutional investment in. But I don't think it's going to be the institutional investment that people think it is. I I honestly think nation states are starting to get into it. You want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think like countries are buying because they want to avoid sanctions. What do you think you're buying it over the counter or OTC? Yeah. Or through shadow companies. It's, it's hard for me to think that countries around the world are not buying it. It's just, you know, I, I don't, I can't foresee that being the case, including the United countries, States. I think countries are mining this shit. Oh, Oh, there's a reason China banned Bitcoin mining. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't because, it's bad for the environment. China does not give a damn about. 
I mean, it's like one of the most polluted regions in the earth now. Right. right. Everyone walks around with a mask on their face, bro. (laughs) Everybody. Agreed. And India, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think behind the scenes, like you're saying, countries are accumulating. And uh, once that hits the market, it's going to make it scarce. Scarcity is going to make the price go up. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Drew? Yeah. This was awesome, man. Hey, man. Glad you had me on. Uh, this is this was awesome. Uh, you are by far the most fun uh, that I've had doing a interview to this point. I haven't done many. I've only got like maybe eight or nine. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, man. Thank hey, you well, so much. We'll do it again. Anytime. Most definitely. You can count on that, bro. <laughs> you can I enjoyed count. it, man. Thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man.